Hey, we're going to continue here tonight uh, in the book of Numbers. So grab your Bibles uh, here or those online. Grab your Bibles to open them up to the Old Testament to the book of Numbers chapter 4 where we will be continuing where we left off last week. Uh, Chapter 4 and chapter 3 go together. Uh, They're both devoted to the Levites, the men who served the Lord by assisting the priests in their ministry at the tabernacle. And so we see here in chapter 3, we saw many of the things that are to take place and the numberings and census. And and here in chapter 4, we continue to do that. But let me recap a a couple of key things here as we go into chapter 4, especially for those who are taking notes. This will fill out a little bit uh, clear from some clarity, maybe from chapter 3, and it brings it into focus here in chapter 4. Remember, the Levites had no inheritance. They had no inheritance in the promised land, but lived by or from the tithe of the gift that the people brought to the Lord as they were commanded. We saw, we see that even clearer in Numbers chapter 18, verses 20 through 24 when we get there. But we have seen in chapters 3, uh, verse 5 through 13, that the Levites were a gift to the priest by God. Again, God said, I'm going to give a gift to the priest to help them serve in the tabernacle, God's people, because there was not enough priests to be able to do all the work that was required by God in the tabernacle. So Aaron and his sons, the priests, were blessed to have the the rest of the Levites to come alongside to serve their uh, spiritual uh, role that the priests had. Now, God looked on Israel as his firstborn son. If you remember back in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, uh, we learned that. And he had spared Israel's firstborn at Passover, but had slain the firstborn sons of all of Egypt. We learned that in Exodus chapter 11, verses 1 through 7, and chapter 12, 20, verses 29 and 30. Been a little while since we've been in Exodus, but most people know the story. Now, for this reason, every firstborn male in Israel were, whether human or animal, belonged to the Lord and had to be redeemed by a sacrifice. And that's when we got into the the numbers and back into Leviticus and and it brought us through Exodus all the way through to where we see in numbers today. And there's many accounts, even as it was a picture of or foreshadowing of Jesus' sacrifice for you and I, we see that noted in Luke 2, 7 and Luke 2, verses 22 and 23. Now, the entire nation of Israel was to be a kingdom of priests. They were to be all ministering to the fallen world, the Gentile world around them. They were to be a light for and before God. And we see that noted as from God in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. And he appointed a special priesthood to help his people, the nation of Israel, to be that example to the world around them. That's why they were the special people to God. Because they were all to be this, this leading, spiritual leading of the entire world to God through their lives. 
And they were the, and again, God had to bring along this priesthood to help his people to obey his law and bear witness of God's goodness. That's who his character is, his goodness. It's a good father. And that was one of their role as a nation of Israel to do. Now the Levites were God's gift to the priests or substitutes to the redeemed firstborn sons of Israel who already belong to God. Bear with me here, you'll see the connection. The Levites did for the Lord and the priests the service of what the firstborn sons were to do for God based on Exodus, or I should say Passover. So instead of, you know, the, all the Egyptians firstborn were sacrificed because they didn't follow God, he preserved the firstborn sons. Now God says, your firstborn sons are to be dedicated their lives to serving me. God then adds here to, to assist or to bring about where he says, I'm going to bring as the Levites uh, were God's gift to the priests as substitutes for the redeemed firstborn sons of Israel who already belong to God. He says, instead of giving your first sons to me to serve within the tabernacle, the Levites are going to be the substitutes for all those firstborns of Israel to serve within the tabernacle. Now the Levites did for the Lord and the priests the service of, again, of the firstborn sons that the Levites would be ministering in their place of all their sons of all the tribes. Now, after regarding the Levitical census that we talked about and the duties we saw in chapter 3, verse 14, through all of chapter 4 tonight, consisted of two censes that was to be taken of the Levites. Moses first counted every male, one month and older, of the children of Levi. Make that note. We see that starting in verse 22, chapter 3, through 39. But notice there in the very beginning, he's, he's actually taking a census of just the children of Levi. For one month old and older to make sure there was enough Levites to substitute for who? To substitute for each of the firstborn of all the children of Israel. That was the other part of the census that Moses took. So you notice in verse 39 of chapter 3, we learn there was 22,000 children of or one month old and older children of Levi. There were 22,000 Levites. Well, then Moses then took another census and counted all the firstborn males of the children of Israel. We found in verses 40 and 40 through 43 of chapter 3, there was how many? 22,273. According to the scripture, there was 273 more children of Israel than there were of the Levites that were to be the substitute for person for person. And because there was a difference of 273, we remember in the scriptures last week, they had to then pay Aaron 
for money to be a substitute for a person they did not have to be able to do that. And so we saw that they had to give five shekels for each of those 273 people to cover what they couldn't cover with a person of, as a Levite. And so we know in the scripture, if you didn't have the sacrifice of a Levite, a substitute to redeem, then you could give money, in this case five shekels, to, to, to Aaron for to take care of the tabernacle. This brings us in now into chapter 4, where we see the second census was of all the Levites, ages 30 to 50, who were able to serve in the sanctuary, and we will see that total be 8,580 in verses 46 through 49. Now, according to chapter 8, verse 24, the Levites began to serve at age 25. So we're going to see that they were from ages 30 to 50, they were counting because that age is going to be the age that was supposed to serve within the tabernacle. But we know in chapter 8, verse 24, it was 25 when they started. What's the difference? I believe what's happened is you started at 25 and it was a five-year training period before you were even able to come near to do the actual work and you had to be 30 to be able to serve within the tabernacle. And there's the difference we receive. Now what's interesting, later on we know in 1 Chronicles chapter 23, verses 24 and 25, David actually lowered that requirement from 25 to 20 and started at 20. So again, it's a great deal because it was an absolute... Um, Precious to be able to serve God within the tabernacle. There was a great deal to learn about the sacrifices and the tabernacle services, and it was dangerous to make mistakes because, as we know, if you do something wrong, you could die. That's why you don't lay hands on pastors too quickly, you don't, or on deacons too quickly, or point them in positions of authority within the church too quickly, because there's a, a point where there has to be an age or a, a maturity in the spiritual walk before you lay hands on them. And so we see a foreshadow here to be able to, to, to teach or to go in and minister within the tabernacle here. There was an age requirement that God had and there was some training that needed to take place before you could actually be let go to go in and serve as God commanded. So now Numbers chapter 4 verses 1 through 3 we see then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying take a census of the sons of Kohath from among the children of the Levi by their families by their father's houses. From 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service to do the work in the tabernacle of meeting. So among the males of the family of Kohath, only those between 30 and 50 were allowed to actually do the work of the in the sanctuary. And in some ways, this was a prime age of a male. Because you had this blend of strength still from ages 30 to 50, along with wisdom to be able to do God's work. There wasn't some young whippersnapper who was really fast and really young and strong, but has no wisdom. There are a lot of young people who think they have a lot of wisdom, but all they have is knowledge. 
but they don't have the ability to properly take that knowledge and apply it properly, which is wisdom. They have a knowledge, but not wisdom. God wants him, us to serve with wisdom that comes from him. And that comes through training up in and through the word of God. God was teaching. They were training them up so that at that age, at prime time of a man's life at that time, was there for both not only the wisdom, but physical strength. And God wants the best from the family of Kohath to serve him within that tabernacle. In verses 4 through 14, we see now again some of the, the response or duties of the priests here that was very important. This is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle meeting, relating to the most holy things. So their primary duties was to the holy things. Note here, when the camp prepares to journey. So when God said it's time to move, <laughs> they were watching God's presence in the cloud to move. They knew, okay, the camp needs to prepare to take this journey as God's ready to take us across the desert to another spot. Aaron and his sons shall come and they shall take down the covering veil, the veil that separated between the holy and the holy of holies there, the outer in the, versus the inner uh, area where the Ark of the Covenant was, and take that veil that was very thick and cover the Ark of the Testimony with it. Then they shall put on it a covering of badger skins, which is most of the skins that covered around the tabernacle, the tent, the, the, this curtain that goes around it and along the top to protect it from the weather and the, and the sun. But take those badger skins and spread over that a cloth entirely of blue, a special blue covering. And they shall insert its poles because there were special poles that were designed and made to go through the rings on the Ark of the Covenant so that you can only pick up the Ark by the poles. And you will notice all of these holy um, uh, items that, that uh, Aaron and his sons were taking care of to protect and cover all had poles and were only to be picked up by the poles by those who were allowed. So notice, keep going here. On the table of showbread, that was the next, they shall spread. Now notice, the ark was to be dealt with first. Then it's the showbread and they shall spread a blue cloth on it and put on it. The dishes, the pans, the bowls, and the pitchers for pouring, and the showbread shall be on it. They shall spread over them a scarlet cloth and cover the same with a covering of badger skins, and they shall insert its poles. Then they shall take a blue cloth and cover the next item, which is what? The lampstand of the light with its lamps and its wick trimmers, its trays, and all its oil vessels, with which they serve it, then they shall put it with all its utensils in a covering of badger skins and put it on a carrying beam. Over, and now, now that's the, that item, then on the next was over the golden altar, that's the next item, they shall spread a blue cloth and cover it with a covering of badger skins, and they shall insert its poles. Next, then they shall take all the utilities of service with which they minister in the sanctuary and put them in the blue cloth, cover them with a covering of badger skins, and put them on a carrying beam. Also, they shall take away the ashes from the altar and spread a purple cloth over it, and they shall put it on it all its implements which 
uh, with which they minister there, the fire pans, the forks, the shovels, the basins, and all the utensils of the altar, and they shall spread it, a covering of badger skin, and insert its poles. Now we take a look here in these verses 4 through 14, and we see on the way to the promised land, the tabernacle furniture would have to travel and be carried at great distances each time they went. It's not like God said, let's pack it up, I don't believe, and just, just go 30, you know, 30, you know, three miles and stop, or one mile and stop. I mean, you're talking, you're moving two million plus people. So you're going to have to go some great distances to have your this great masses to move across the, the, the wilderness here. And because of that, they must pack properly to ensure its safety of the holy things, the most holy things. And since the furniture itself was holy, it had to be covered and packed by Aaron and his sons, the priests. No one could just walk in here. You couldn't hire some moving company. Levites and sons and come in at the cheapest price on which what tribe can give you the cheapest price to come in here and move these things and you pray and hope when you get to the next place it's still in where it's supposed to be it hasn't disappeared or it's been broken then you're going to have to try to get someone to give you compensation that's not how it works here Aaron and the priests and his sons were responsible to protect those most holy items and no one was to see them Note this, before they could come and take care, the rest of the, the tribe of Levites, to come and take care of all the posts and all the outer curtains and the, the roof and all the ceiling, all that stuff, they had to be all taken care of and covered so that no one could touch or see these most holy items. Note that. And so when they did this, they were covered, they were packed, they were preserved. Then the sons of Kohath could get, come in and get to, to them by picking them up by the poles only, or the beams, right? And once the ark was safely covered, the other pieces were of the furniture were covered in similar manner as we see the sequence. Now, 15 through 20, we now see the moving of the furniture and the utensils of the tabernacle. It says, when Aaron and his sons had finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is set to go, the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These are the things in the tabernacle of the meeting which the sons of Kohath are to carry. The appointed duty is Eliezer. That was the son of Aaron. The priest is the son of Aaron. The priest is the oil. Oil is for the oil. Let me rephrase. Let me start it here again. The appointed duty of Eliezer. The son of Aaron, the priest, he had a responsibility. What was his responsibility? He was overseeing all this, but he had a specific thing he had to carry. He had to carry as the priest is the oil for the lamp, the sweet incense, and the daily grain offering, the anointing oil, the oversight of all the tabernacle and of all that is in it with the sanctuary and its furnishings. That's a heavy responsibility. Why? Because he was the elder son now, because his other two brothers died. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Do not cut off the tribe of the families of the Kohathites, 
from among the Levites, but do this in regards to them, that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy things. Aaron and his sons shall go in and appoint each of them to his service and his task, but they shall not go in to watch while the holy things are being covered, lest they die. Again, very important, the Kohathites, the rest of them that were going to help carry all this, were forbidden to touch, forbidden to look. They were just to pick it up and carry it exactly the way Aaron and his sons, the other priests, told them to do. Now, it is very important that the furnishings were covered so that no one could obviously be curious and do a little peek to see, oh, this is no big deal. Let me just see what I'm, you know, underneath. No, that was going to happen because we saw in verses 16 through 20, there would be suffering or judgment uh, of God if you did that. And the ark would be carried by the four men before the marching nation. Most people don't realize, unless you study the Old Testament, that the ark of the covenant as they carried those four men carrying the poles of the ark, led the entire nation to the next destination. God led his people. And Eliezer, being that eldest surviving son of Aaron, as the high priest, he was very, it's it's serious things that they just didn't want packed up with everything else. Notice the importance of it. The oil for the lamp, very important, that precious oil, Incense to the golden altar was precious. The flour to make the daily meal offering for the showbread on the table. And of course, the holy anointing oil. Those were precious things. And he was held responsible to make sure he carried them. Now we see in verses 21 and 20 through 23 here, the duty of the Gershonites here. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Also take a census of the sons of Gershon by their father's house, by their families, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, and you shall number them, all who enter to perform the service, to do the work in the tabernacle of meeting. Then we see the duties of them for 24 through 28, that this is the service of the families of the Gershonites in service and carrying. They shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tabernacle of meeting with its coverings, the coverings of the badger skins that is on it, the screen of the door of the tabernacle of meeting, which is that front screen to the door to be able to go into the outer courts there, the screen for the door of the gate of the court, the hangings of the court which are around the tabernacle and the altar and their cords and all the furnishings of their services, all that is made of these things, so that shall they serve. They're there to serve. They're there not to get recognition. They're not to do anything that the, the priests are to do. They are to serve the priests by, by serving God in that capacity and role. They were there alongside. So they, Aaron and his sons shall assign all the service of the sons of the Gershonites, all their tasks, all their service. So it's not like they got to pick and choose that the leaders assign them to task again God is a God of order and organization that we will talk about here in a minute so Aaron and his sons had to put them on tasks make sure everything is covered and you shall appoint to them all their tasks and their duties this is the service of the families of the sons of Gershon in the tabernacle of meeting and their duties shall be under the authority at Ithamar which is the last son the youngest son of, of the son of Aaron the priest now, they, these Gershonites, they had oversight of the coverings of the tabernacle and all those artistic 
fabrics, that beautiful things that covered and surrounded the entire tabernacle, including the badger skins and those that covered over the, the uh, Holy of Holies, the roof uh, design there. All of this and the tents, all of that was the responsibility of Ithamar to make sure that those get packed up properly and moved properly. Now we get to the next family, the Merari. Those um, we see in verses 29 through 30 talks about as, this, for this, as for the sons of Merari, you shall number them by their families and by their father's house. Again, for 30 years old and above even to 50 years old. And you shall number them and everyone enters the service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Everyone's on the common mission, common focus. We are serving God by making sure this tabernacle is picked up properly and put back together properly every time we're moving here. In verse 31 through 33, we see the duties, and this is what they must carry as all their service of the tabernacle meeting, the boards of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, and the pillars around the court with their sockets, and pegs, and cords with all their furnishings, and all their... And for, and all their service, and you shall assign to each man by name the items he must carry. So every item was accounted for. There was no question. It's just like the military, right? Everyone has to be accounted for. You count off, make sure you have an a inventory, and you have to sign off on that. There's no different here. It started back even here. And this is the service of the families of the sons of Merari, all their service for the tabernacle meeting under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. So we see here they had the job of packing and transporting the heaviest items of the tabernacle. They estimate it was about 19,000 pounds of items that this, this part of the tribe, the Merarites, had to carry. That's why we see that they're assigned uh, wagons to be able to carry those items. The priest didn't get to carry, and the Kohathite, that family, that, they didn't get to, uh, uh, wagons to carry the ark and all the elements. They had to carry them, the burden on their shoulders. But here they had the wagons because there was such a load here that they had to carry. And all those pillars and boards, they were quite heavy. And all the precious metals that they also had to be accounted for. Now notice again, this wasn't a volunteer work. This was assigned by Moses and Aaron. They were assigned to each man by name, the items they must carry, they were accountable for. You got these items, they're assigned to you. When we get to the next destination, you're going to be accountable for. Make sure you're here to put them back into place as we build the temple, the tabernacle back up uh, for us to be able to continue our sacrifice and worship of our God. And with each valuable cargo... And with such a long distance that they were hauling this, this was a very important job because it was not going to be easy. Even though they had wagons for carrying their burdens and the, Kohath, the Kohathites did not, we see that in chapter 7 verses 1 through 9. Now the sac, this sacred furniture of the tabernacle had to be borne on the shoulders of the sacrifice or the sanctified servants of God. The burden, see, there's a, there's a point where God has a calling on people's lives. And in this case, the, the, the Kohathites, they had to carry a burden on their shoulders, literally, that the others did not. Because of the role and responsibility that God had appointed for their lives to serve him in the ministry. 
David made a mistake in his position as King David. If you remember in 2 Samuel chapter 6, he thought that he could, as a king, turn around and say, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. But he didn't take and understand the scriptures and understand that there is only one way to move the Ark of the Covenant. And so he made the mistake in bringing the Ark into Jerusalem. He disobeyed the rules and how it was to be done. And it led to the death of Uzziah or Uza, uh, there in 2 Samuel 6. The Kohathites were burden bearers. Let's put it that way. Burden bearers. But their burdens were precious in their eyes because of the special calling that God had on their lives. And God promises where he calls you, he will equip you and strengthen you and be giving you the abilities to do what he's called you to do. That's why you only do what God's leading you to do. You only take steps of faith, and if God's not in it, you don't keep doing it. You step back and say, Lord, what do I need? I must have missed something. What else? What are you calling me to do? And, And again, you just need to continue to seek the Lord to see how he wants you to proceed in his way. That's exactly how they do it, because if they did not do it according to God's way, it could lead to death for them. This was not a, you know... We're gonna, you're not gonna be, you're gonna be set aside in the ministry. You could possibly die here doing what your God's called you to do. But God said this is a privilege for them to carry these furnishings, and they saw it with joy, and they did it with just such joy because they know they were in the will of God doing exactly what they wanted to do. They were out there doing it exactly the way God wanted them to do it. Now, in verses 34 through 48, we see the final count according to the families here. Um, it's like a summary of the census of, of the Levites here. And it says, Moses and Aaron and the leaders of the congregation numbered the sons of the Kohathites by their families and by their father's house from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old. Everyone who entered the service for work in the tabernacle meeting and those who were numbered by their families were 2,750. These were the ones who were numbered of the families of the Kohathites. All who might serve in the tabernacle of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Those who were numbered of the sons of Gershon by their families and by their father's house, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone entered the service for the work in the tabernacle of meeting. Those were numbered by their families, by their father's house, or 2,630. These are the ones who were numbered of the families of the sons of Gershon, of all who might serve in the tabernacle of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord. Again, commandment of the Lord. Commandment. Everyone is doing the will of God as he's directing. And those of the families of the sons of Merari were numbered by the families, by their father's house, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old. Everyone who entered the service for the work of the tabernacle meeting, those who were numbered by their families, were 3,200. 3, These are the ones who were numbered of the families of the sons of Merari, who Moses and son Moses and Aaron numbered according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. 
All who were numbered of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron and the leaders of Israel numbered by their families and by their fathers' houses, from 30 years old and above, even to the 50 years old, everyone who came to do the work of service and the work of bearing burdens in the tabernacle of meeting, those who were numbered were 8,580. Now, if we, as we take a look at the end of this, uh, this chapter, you can sit there, okay, we've repeated this, repeated this, repeated this. But every time you understand, when you read the Word of God, every word that's in the Word of God has value. And once you have that set as you're studying the Word of God, that every word that the Holy Spirit gave to men to write down in, 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 by, God's, by, by God's power, every word is important. It, we, it fills in. It may bring to light this, the order and the organization that God has. And the, he's attention to details. And, and there's things that are proper and good and things that are not. And I, I study through this and I repeat it over and over. But it's a value because according to the command of the Lord, they were numbered by the hand of Moses. God assigned to Moses to understand. You need to take account of what is happening around you as a leader. That maybe was more for Moses than anybody else at times, right? Get a hand of what's going on here. Just don't let every free flow of whatever you want to do, just do whatever you want to do. But according to his service and according to his task, God has a directing of each person's life. All 8,580 had direction that was given to the leaders to assign to the people to do God's work. Are you hearing me? Do you think that God is different yesterday, back then, than he is today and forevermore? No, God has order and, and he wants to lead and to assign people with the service and, and the tasks that he needs them to do. They didn't get to pick. These people didn't sit there and go, I want to do whatever I want to do. No, I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel led to do that. I mean, you know, all kinds of reasons why you really in your head says, I just don't want to do it. I, don't, I just say it because it makes sense and people can't say anything to me by saying, the Lord told me, I, 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 the Lord hasn't really shown me that. It's just a nice Christian way of not doing anything. <laughs> that's why I say, well, if that's not what he's showing you, well, then what he is showing you to do. What's the task? What's the service? What has he called you to do if you're a Christian? What is he asking you to do? He's going to have you serve. Not just sit. But every single thing, every task, every service was absolutely critical for the success of serving God. We see in the scripture that the church is spoken of, it is like a body. Many parts looking different, doing different jobs, meeting different needs, some more visible than other parts of the body. Some less. Some are very essential. Some are not as essential. But all with the same DNA code to make it work. There's order. There is organization. There is absolute purpose for every part of God's body. The challenge we find 
Even though the chapters here in 3 and 4 reminds us not everybody had the same burdens to bear in this work. That's why they didn't compare, and they shouldn't compare, and they shouldn't complain and complain to Moses. Why do they get to do that? And I, why are they carrying, if they get to use wagons, what do you have to do? There's no complaining there. Because they all knew that Moses was only repeating what the Lord told them was their task and service. They were just being obedient to what God was leading, uh, was telling Moses to tell the people as the leader of the of that and his two sons who were responsible for the different things. And there are some burdens we can share. We see that in Galatians 6 2. There are burdens we can share, but there are other burdens that only we can bear. There are, there's, there's places and positions in part of the body that you will never understand and bear the burdens of that person in that position. Because that's not what you're called to do. That's not what God is going to lay a heavy burden on you. That's why we are very careful in certain things that God's calls to do. Not to put a burden on you that is not what God's called you to do. Because you will collapse. You will break. The other challenge is, is you, you're all excited. and I want to serve the Lord. And you may want to jump out of things. But that's why we want to make sure... Do you have the spiritual giftings? Do you have the calling to do that? Do you, let's test it. Let's, let's make sure this is of the Lord. We do these things because we don't want you hurt by the weight of the burden and you come crashing down. The second reason why we're careful many times is because much trouble is caused in the service of the Lord by those who desire a different calling than what God has said is for them. They get jealous. They want to be known. They want to be recognized. They want to have the positions, the power, the money, whatever it is. They're trying to think and get out of serving God. And so with jealousy, because your calling is not the calling that God gave you this calling, but that's not the calling you want. You want this. Why do they get that spiritual gift and I don't get it? Well, I'm going to try it anyway. Like you could just go buy, go to Walmart and get your own spiritual gift off the, off the shelf. <laughs> spiritual gifts are given by God to you and me. We can ask for them, but we are just be content and satisfied with what God has given you because you may not be able to handle those spiritual gifts. I don't want the gift of administration. I want the gift of healings. I want to get the tongues. Everything is an outward sign. Everyone wants those, those spiritual gifts. The ones you can't see, <laughs> they're not as important to them because no one's going to know. You always have to check your heart because much trouble can happen when you are trying to do a different calling than what God has called you to do and the tasks that he's asking you to do. Everyone has a place. Everyone has a job. All can set themselves to do it if they just trust God and just lead by the Spirit. Everyone is important and valued in their calling, whatever that may be. 
I always say, hit your little toe and, tell, and you'll be reminded how often that little toe is used in day-to-day -day operations. And finally, we must note that our God believes in organization. But the organization is a means to an end and not an end in itself. We always have to remember that the church is an organism, not an organization. But without organization, the organism would die. And a church is a living spiritual organism. And it must have organization as well. The challenge is, is as churches grow and churches become more long-term, been around a long time, they start institutionalizing and are not led by the Spirit any longer. They're led by their own fleshly knowledge and skills and abilities uh, to try to to make it more like an organization outside in the business world uh, because people bring in talents and things that maybe they come in and they do have the gift of administration. So they take their outside running a corporation and kind of bring it into a church and run it that way. That's not how it works. It's, it can be beneficial as long as they're still being led by the Spirit and not by their, their own knowledge. They're leaning on their own understandings and stuff, things as such. And God was preparing his people to engage. Now keep in mind, and up to chapter 4, remember, God at this point is getting them ready to go into the promised land. So they have to be organized to be able to get these two plus million people across into the promised land and to fight a battle. So God is training them up to be organized, obedient, follow instructions, tear up, tear down, all of the, all the things. He is engaging them to understand that when we engage the enemy, we must defeat them and we will defeat them because I'm leading and you are organized exactly what I need you to do. And it was important that the camp be orderly and the work of the tabernacle be organized. If not, there would be total chaos <laughs> and things wouldn't go well going into. And I think it's brilliant because if you don't have a tight unit that's organized before you go into war, if there isn't an understanding of roles and responsibilities before you go into war, guess what's going to happen? highly likely the enemy will take you over and you will be dead. You will not survive. The worship, if we're not living for God and doing what he's called us to do, then our worship is not going to please God. And the spiritual warfare is going to be so plentiful it will defeat us as a spiritual body. And so we have to just learn from these things that God is teaching us, even in the Old Testament, and understand that we must be led by the Spirit and in truth, and that we seek the Lord and make sure of our calling, 
make sure of the things that God's called us to do. And it will vary. Some people say, I only do this. No, God uses your spiritual gifts and talents and abilities in different situations and different times. Um, so don't be limited on what God may want to do with you in and through you. But some things are set. Some things are just, this is, this is what you're called to do. And, and then you have the other peripheral things around you that you, you support and help um, because it's important to the body.